Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end time watchwoman sheila zelinsky hello listeners and welcome to the sheila zelinsky show thank you for tuning into the broadcast tonight folks i broadcast monday to friday that's weekdays at 6 p.m eastern time right here on worldwide christian radio and do not forget to sign up for my podcast Go to WeekendVigilante.com and click on that big pink button on the right-hand side that says Sheila's Podcast. Sign up and you can listen to all the podcasts. Folks, my very special guest today is Russ Dizdar. Russ is an ordained minister, a former police chaplain, hailed as a leading authority on satanic crimes and rituals, demonic activity and the occult, and he has worked for 30 years with law enforcement and victims in satanic ritual abuse. And he joins us to talk about mind bending. And he's going to tell you what that means. Russ, welcome back to the program. It's such an honor to have you back on. Well, Sheila, it's great to be with you today. And yeah, mind bending. I mean, there's a lot of it. It's not just that it's future. It's now and it has been. And uh, we could maybe even talk about the, uh, I think, 70-year initiative from the other side to bring kind of uh, persuading overall, and then some of the technologies and the rest. And what's to come is, uh, is just literally off the charts. Off the charts is right, because really, I think this is one of the things people have to understand, Rust, is that the most outstanding prophecy in all of Scripture is just literally moments really away, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I believe that um, we're talking, uh, well, you know, Jesus in Matthew 24, and, and when you look at all of them, but Matthew 24, he gives the picture of the future. And because of the dark side and because of man's uh, cooperation, it is uh, unprecedented. It, it involves here in the near future extinction level events. So if we're looking in, in the culture right now and saying, wow, look what's happening in the courts, look, look, look what's happening in, in the United States, Europe is far, far more seduced, uh, the belly of the beast, as I call it. And so 
what we see there, uh, we as believers should be literally uh, on the cutting edge of this understanding. We should be able to tell the world that's crying out and saying, what in, what in the world is going on? We should be able to say, well, this is what's going on. Uh, this is what uh, the prophecies said that comes from Jesus himself. And then, of course, we have a message of unprecedented hope and uh, a way out of all of this. God is seeking and God is drawing and God is uh, summoning and bringing more and more people home. So that's the good news in the midst of all of it. But the you know the intelligence agencies, the uh, prognosticators, the trend crunchers, the ones that crunch the numbers, even Webbot, you know, looking at the world brain, looking at the world mind, they're all saying the same thing. Basically, the world feels as though something catastrophic and horrific is coming, and it's on the verge, the tipping point, and uh, that includes a lot. And without understanding the dark side's precedent and agenda, there's really no way to understand how it's just simply getting so out of control. Well, you just said an interesting thing, a statement, the dark side and the agenda, and one of the analogies I really appreciate that you've come up with, and it's kind of this analogy of a curtain waiting to be pulled back in a very spectacular show. And until the curtains really open wide, none of that which is behind the scenes is really operative. But when the cast members do emerge, it's go time, isn't it? And it, that's a very good analogy. Explain that a little bit more for the listeners, Russ. Absolutely. And and I, and I see it that way. And I've been to a play, a high school play and others, where you come in as the audience, you sit in the uh, seats, everybody's there rustling and bustling, and, and you can see the curtains, they're closed, and you can hear the people back there moving things and the props and, and all the actors are getting ready, but you don't see any of it until the announcement is made, the lights dim down, and then the curtain opens, and then... Everything that's been plotted, everything that's been planned, everything that's been designed is going to be, you know, un, you know, unraveled before your eyes. So the biblical prophecy literally rips off Hell's Kitchen to say, here's what's going on behind the scenes in their preparations um, and uh, their development. So that when we read about a Luciferic new, you know, new world order, globalist new world order, when we read about an antichrist and a false prophet— we we we've got to understand that it it you know when the curtain opens satan's not going to run around trying to get something going he's been doing it for decades when that curtain opens it's called the apocalypse anthroposonomos in second thessalonians 2 the unveiling of the man of lawlessness so there is a in the word apocalypse is used of christ in the visible return the idea that he's already there he's going to be coming but there's going to be a uh, moving open of the curtains a unveiling a visible return of christ well there's going to be a visible unveiling of the antichrist which means he's already operative. His multinational, multicontinental um, political, uh, military, uh, economic system, the shadow government that everybody talks about, it's in place. The false prophets out there underground somewhere, and the biblical prophecies that speak about the, the frog in the kettle or these kind of satanic evolutionary developments, well, that's one thing, and we need to be able to track and understand and see that. But that's all leading. What we see on the surface is uh, like 10%. The 90% is beneath the surface or behind the curtain. And that's where 
when that curtain opens, and it will open in dramatic, uh, immediate fashion, and what has been plotted, what has been planned, the actors that are all there, all the props that are there will come rushing out into the world stage that will initiate the final seven years, and then you're having this empire that doesn't come about by human hands, uh, so says God in Daniel's prophecy. Uh, it, is, comes by, it comes by supernatural precedent force power, the demonic side, the satanic side. So that's, that's what's building behind the curtain. And, um, but on this side of the curtain, there's a need for the dark side, Satan, demon, so forth, to continue to layer the earth, continue to bend the minds, continue to prep the world, continue to bring seduction to the world. Because, again, in prophecy, and this is this is uh, Sheila, this is um, every missions board, all the churches, and all those in ministry should understand uh, that. Um, there is a massive agenda that involves the entire human race. Now, we understand, I understand, that Jesus has a, he wants us to take the gospel to every creature. Uh, God's not willing that anybody perish. I mean, I am, I am, I am in. I am, uh, that's what we're all about. But we must understand there is a real battle for the souls of men. And the other side has, in its scope, billions to completely seduce. And that's Revelation 12, the dragon seeks to lead the whole world. That's literal. And if we don't understand the literal nature of the supernatural deceptive power, um, we're going to really, I mean, the body of Christ is really going to, you know, sit there looking powerless as everything else seems to be swaying that way. Well, you mentioned something really interesting because, you know, this isn't like, He's scrambling at the last minute to get his props ready. And I think you've alluded to this well, Russ, is this has been orchestrated for years. The pieces have all been culminating very methodically. I mean, yeah, this this false prophet, the Antichrist, the mishmash of players here, you mentioned politically, militarily, and economically. I mean, this whole entire cast has been developing for a long time. And again, this isn't like he was just scrambling at the last minute, was it? Not at all. Uh, there's, you know, the biblical revelation of the satanic plot. I mean, look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, uh, and we find this engagement of Satan with, with Jesus. That's all plotted, planned. Before he came in Genesis 3, he knew what he was coming to do. He knew, he knew that doorway, that gateway that needed to be opened to the human race. He knew what he wanted to do in Matthew 4. Now, we look at the, the battle uh, in Matthew 4, but a greater description of the overall concerning that battle is in, again, Revelation 12, where uh, Satan is uh, uh, revealed as the, you know, the, this Megos Pyros dragon, uh, the huge, God gives this picture that he's this huge presence of Satan that came to try to devour, that means to destroy utterly the Christ child. And so when we read this panoramic view that he knew Christ was coming the first time, and he came to devour, he came to destroy. And of course, Jesus stood on the ground of the Word of God, quoted, and he and, and Satan was utterly defeated. But look again how personal this is. When I say dark side, I don't mean that it's just quasi-smoke, dark smoke floating around you know, that we can't nail down. No, we're talking about a real entity that engaged Jesus directly, a real entity that engaged the human race in Genesis 3. So when we read... 
Revelation 12, this entity is, you know, behind all the powers and all the spiritual deception, behind all the so-called energies of the New Age and all the rest, comes the entities that are emanating that presence to bring that deception. And they did that the first time when Jesus came. They wanted to destroy him. It was orchestrated. He went away for a more opportune time. And so in all of this, Paul, by the Spirit of God, says that we're not ignorant. He uses the word ignorant. The idea here is uh, unaware. It's the idea that a person, the little Greek word means you're not choosing to be willfully ignorant. You know, you're not closing your eyes to the, to this, the presence of Satan in his work. So Paul says in a good way, we're not ignorant. We're not unaware of the devil's schemes. That means his orchestrated design. We've got to understand the satanic side is more organized more uh, militarized, more uh, able, more in their communications, more uh, in all their surveillance, uh, more in all their plotting. The whole end of days is designed and plotted and being un unfurled into the world. Uh, so you're right. It's not that Satan just trying to think something up new to do. I am just stunned lately at the amount of people that are sort of walking in this, it's a thick spiritual fog of, I don't know, if, Russ, if it's a strong delusion or if it's a spirit of deception, but I'm, I'm wondering what is wrong with these masses of people. It's like this very dystopic, foggy, deceptive, comatose trance almost. It's like a very dystopic trance, and yet... I wonder if it's partially, is it opera or classic conditioning? Is it, is it brainwashing? Is it mind control? Is it a spell? It's like people are in this spell. And if you even breathe any exhortation about Matthew 24, well, then you're a fear monger. But do you notice there's an absolute, complete disconnect? Is it a mishmash of what I've talked about? Or is it a combination of all of those things? Well, I think you know you're describing again what everybody's feeling and seeing. That, that yeah, you're seeing what everybody sees, and you're like, look at what's happening to humanity. And it's like again, you know, almost the, the level of drones or the level of uh, kind of a spiritual zombification. Yeah. Now, now, he, and here's why I say that. Let's go back to, again scripture that gives the definitive insight. Second Corinthians four four. It's a mention of Satan. He's called this. He's called the God of this aeon. Uh, the word means this time period, a particular time period in which he has rights. So he's the God of this age that blinds the minds of unbelievers. Now let's stop and look at that scripture. The word blind, anybody can look up the Greek word and the definitions of it. It has the idea of blowing smoke with the goal to blind the perceptions of an individual. It's a real spiritual operative presence in the world. The, 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 the kind of uh, what, what you've just described is coming from a global, progressive, frog in the kettle, satanic evolutionary development of fogging the minds of billions in their perception, in their discernment, in their ability to understand. It's a real operative presence. And here's what it says in that verse. This blinding that is coming from Satan, uh, to the unbelievers specifically, is to keep them from seeing. 
This is vital. Now, I live in an area where uh, when I went down this one road called Mayfair, in the wintertime, everybody knew when, if it snowed heavy, the snow, you would, be, you would get snow blind. You could not see three inches out in front of your car when the snow would be blowing sideways. You would literally have to stop. Wow. Because there may be a car four, you know, you know, four feet in front of you, and you won't see it until you ram in, ram, in, ram into it. So the reality of that car four feet away is there, but the presence of that snow blinded. That's what's happening. The reality of deception, the reality of uh, the persuasion of the right. world in political ideology, military vision, economic acquisition, all of that's pushing towards um, this, uh, well, the Antichrist's ac acquisition, so that when he, when he comes out, you know, it's all going to be prepared before. That's just like like we mentioned, going to the theater, going to this this play. When you get there and the curtains open, it would be absolutely you know insane. There's no actors, there's no props, there's nothing there, an empty stage. I think we, even as Christians, sometimes think, well, you know, when the end comes, you know, it's like Satan's going to like you're, you're going to run around and try to figure out something to do. No, it's the stage behind the curtain will be explicitly and in and in and in in total satanic detail set, but. But drawing the people, uh, engaging the minds, blinding with real spiritual, if you want to call it smoke, uh, the, the operative presence of the dark side to blind the minds of billions. Now, that's the goal, Revelation 12. He is after the deception of leading astray of billions of human beings. That's how huge this is. Well, it's huge. And also, Jesus says there's never going to be another time in history like it. I mean, forget the, you know, Stalin's reign of terror or the gulags or Auschwitz or Hiroshima. This is unprecedented global level extinction, Russ. And I think that's where, I mean, outside of Christ, you lose your soul and you're going to obviously one of two places. There's not a third choice. It's not, I think I'll take door number three, Russ. This is very serious that people get prepared for what's coming because, again, it's extinction level insanity, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. And, and again, this was where the rest of the world, I mean, again, unsaved individuals, this is why it's urgent for believers because the scriptures are the one, you know, God has given us the insight that in the end of days that uh, the, the totalism of satanic deception will be on the field. It has been, and I could even say we could track back on a physical level, I mean a real like, you know, you know, you know boots on the ground level. Let's go back to the 30s in the United States. Alice, uh, let's just one individual, one writer out of thousands, but one particular writer, Alice Bailey, she writes the book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy. She writes 20 other volumes. It's very clear, all those who read her know that an entity that wanted her, and she at first refused, but an entity eventually convinced her, and then they called it, they, it fused with her up to six, seven hours a day. Yeah, and she calls it her ascended master, right? <laughs> right, right. And she had no ability to see what it really is. It's called a cosmocrater in biblical Greek, yes. uh, in the Ephesians 6 scenario. It's a particular type of demonic presence, and there he was, just like in the fulfillment, when the Spirit of God says in First uh, Timothy 4, 1, you know, the Spirit expressly. This means in the original that he raises his voice definitively, loudly, that in the lat latter days, that planos, 
a whole kind of species or type of the demonic realm, a seducing type will come to uh, deceive the many. The, you know, we're talking again, billions ultimately, and then to use some of them to get some of them and make and guide them to write Dadake Demonoia, inspired writings of the demonic presence that then will inspire others. So if you go back to Alice Bailey, her writings are the most charged writings I've ever seen. I mean, spiritually, demonically charged. That's the foundation of the spirituality of the uh, United Nations. Remember Lucifer Trust? That's sure. who distributes all of United Nations publications, ironically, is Lucius. Well, it was Lucifer Trust, Lucius Trust. And of course, when she wrote all those volumes of the occult, what's stunning and this is kind of a theme with whether it's Manly P. Hall or Albert Pike or Helena Blavatsky. The one theme is they're always trying to conjure and summon that veil, piercing the veil to bring over these entities, really. Sure. And, and here again, as we go back, I think because I think that we can track what the scriptures um, unveil concerning the dark side's development. And let me say this clearly. The scripture, the spirit of God, God has chosen to selectively give more insight to the satanic development of the world and the the cause of the end of days. Right. More is given concerning that satanic development than the uh, catching up the millennium and the great white throne all put together. So there's huge amount of biblical insight, and I call it intel from God. Nice. <laughs> um, God gives intel beyond. Listen, the the CIA. These guys cannot touch what's really going to happen in the future. So we have this infallible, irrevocable insight to what exactly the dark side will do to bend the world, prep the world, and then at some point in some, you know, I feel again near, this unleashing of the chaos to collapse it all in order to bring what's already behind the curtain. It has to pre-exist. It has to be there. And that's why I say I believe the Antichrist is alive. I believe the false prophet is alive. I believe the, the system is in place behind the scenes, supernaturally cloaked, already though, so that when that day comes, it will be unleashed. It will be uh, un unprecedented, unbelievable. And uh, that will mark the beginning of billions that will die, the environment coming to near extinction level. Without God um, in Revelation 9, uh, without God giving the limitations, without God stepping in, and even Matthew 24 again, without Jesus, you know, Jesus says, unless he, those days be cut short, no flesh be left. That's how big we're talking. So if someone wants to say, well, that's just fear-mongering, are they going to label Jesus a fear-monger or the scriptures a fear-monger? If I was to stand where there's a bridge out and the people are flying at 70 miles an hour around the corner, and if I don't wave them down and stop them, they're going to go right off and, and down to the valley, and I mean, they're going to, be, they're going to crash and burn. So um, we're talking about the, the, the planet, the, the humanity is going to crash and burn. That's the fact. And in the context of that, there's an... Uh, this is, and it's all because of who Jesus is. So when we think of the you know talk shows and conspiratorial writers that are you know that that don't bring God into any of this, and they, and they think, well, we'll just stop the Antichrist, we'll just stop the New World Order. Not going to happen. It's by a superior supernatural force, and the prophecy two thousand six hundred years ago declares it not only is going to come about not by human hand by supernatural demonic force, satanic force, but it will never come down but by the hand of God. 
there's this really, I think, intrinsic, innate desire, Russ, for people, people of the world, they want a, a superhero, a savior. They, you know, you see all this culmination in these films lately with Avengers and Captain America, this, you know, super leader. Well, look at the Mahdi, the Maitreya, the world teacher. Look at all the very incredible, illusory, strong visual depictions that we have, especially in throughout Revelation. Of course, we see this this uh, this bestial sort of destructive image, this transhuman hybrid, if you will, get into that whole piece because I think it's important for people to understand how this is painted in the scripture. Absolutely, and and yeah, the because there's going to be a lot of attempts. Humanity knows there's a problem. The world's top scientists, geneticists, inventors, Ray Kurzweil, the rest in the 2045 initiative, they're all seeking on a global scale with billions of dollars behind it. You know, immortality. They they know that death is a uh, is a bad thing. They know that without the intervention, uh, and their whole issue is to save the world, but to bring the world in about uh, you know in a whole new evolution. Evolutionary development. So um, there's 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 a quest. They know something's wrong with man morally and in the physical sense, and so there's a quest for. Well, how can we get you know immortality? We hate death. We hate uh, the the wars and and destruction and evil of man. What can we uh, do in the context of new science? Well, it's touted as science, but when I was there at the 2045 initiative at Lincoln Plaza, New York. Uh, listening to, to one of the transhumanist leaders after another declare the future and all excited. What nobody has come out to really say is on the same stage, the same day, two days, the founder or the, the initiator of this, Dmitry Itzkov, a Russian billionaire, right, right. he brings out a Russian cosmist. This is someone that's kind of New Age, uh, Theosophical Society material, Alice Bailey. It's kind of a mixture of everything. He puts up on the big screen, huge screen, pictures of ascended masters, declarations that the ancient gods are helping the scientists wow. to recreate, recre they said it right on stage, to recreate the godmen and give humanity godlike status and move humanity to immortality. So wow. Guru, after Cosmos got up on the stage with the top world scientists declaring that these entities are leading the scientists to this new goal. Now here's the interesting thing. Let's step back 80 years to Alice Bailey. In her book, The uh, Externalization of the Hierarchy, the demon entity that entered her through that book in those writings declared over 80 years ago that th that spiritual source, the demonic realm, would, would, would so guide the world, so guide the scientists, that they would lead the scientists to open the veil and open the gateway between that side yes. and this side. Yeah. Absolutely. And I really wonder what they're doing over at CERNRUS. I mean, are they piercing the veil really appears to be what they're doing over there, trying to bring forth the spirits of the ages. Sure, sure. You know, it's kind of interesting that that same Vedic Hinduism that as Shiva, the destroyer, which is interesting, that is actually outside of CERN. Isn't that interesting that all those ascended masters, those higher entities are being now exemplified. I find that fascinating, don't you? It is. And look, and so you have the you have spirituality, 
uh, mixed with the new technologies and new sciences. Listen, this is where I, I want to step back again and say, when it comes to even Armageddon, um, we've done a real major study for a number of years on Revelation 19:19, the the you know the real action of Armageddon, uh, which means the implications are the most powerful weapons in human history have to be there, and they've got to be um, they've got to be Star Wars type weapons because the most powerful, most advanced technological military system in human history on the field is gathering to raise their weapons towards the sky to make war against the descent of Christ. Anybody should study this. This, this is why we need to look at military weapons development you know, specialists from the DOD, from NASA, who've already put out a book called Planetary Defense Weapons Systems, trying to find weapons that they can use on a planetary level uh, because of some outside door opening up and something descending on the planet, we need to be uh, we need to be ready and and have a, a defense and we be we need to be able to to blast that out of the sky. Now, so where does that thinking come from? I believe Satan, the demonic realm, is spiritually breathing down the necks of the technicians, the inventors, the weapons uh, development individuals. I believe they're literally breathing down the necks in the development of what's needed for the near future. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And this, like you said, near future. I mean, this seems like a Nazi on steroid, New World Order, globalist regime with mass chaos, mass anarchy. We are talking about things like the collapse of society, power grids, complete destruction, financial, socially, culturally. I mean, this is a very, very nefarious agenda here. And really when the dust clears, and I guess everything is collapsed, that would really be a free Im implementation of their Luciferian globalist regime of the Antichrist. Because, you know, when you have the rise of Homo Satanas, the Black Awakening, Satan's army, whatever you want to call it, it's really like this evil end time global unleashing of a slaughter of the saints here, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, and this, again, is where I think there's a failure theologically. And when I mean that, when I say that, I mean, I've got a, about a, a 1,500, maybe 2,000 volumes. Because uh, systematic theology has been like my number one study for 25, 30 years. I taught it for 20 years locally. In systematic theology, what you're doing is taking the topical, like bibliology, eschatology, uh, soteriology, you know, all the scriptures that teach about salvation, all the scriptures that teach about Jesus' deity, all the scriptures that speak about the end of days, the return of Christ. And so it's all systematized so you can study it chunk by chunk. But in all these volumes, first of all, they're screaming at us with no sections on spiritual warfare. Second of all, there's... Um, this uh, incredible absence of uh, this declarative prophecy, like Re Revelation six, in and God gave it in you know a prophetic drama, so that it helps us understand it or or, or have the impact. So if you look at um, you know Revelation six and you see the the seals going to be opened, and all of a sudden you have this uh, this this uh, being in heaven screams out, "Come and see." And then a white horse is unleashed. Now listen, everyone I know, all that I've studied in, in 40 years, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you that's a reference to the Antichrist. Different from the white horse in Revelation 19, who is definitively declared to be Jesus. So this counterfeit 
in Revelation 6, the white horse, the Antichrist, the moment he is um, unleashed you know, for, uh, on conquest, the moment he actually gets to begin to, the first thing that occurs, if you look at this, the sequence of this prophecy, uh, because it, it comes like tsunami, after, I mean, it, it's not slow. I mean, it's like event after event after event after event, and each one causes the other. So in the unleashing of the most supernaturally altered, um, declared to be the most politically powerful, uh, he'll lead the world's most powerful but demonic empire in all of fallen human history. There's more profiling of this person, the Antichrist, than any other person in human history, yes, anybody else in true. Scripture, except for Christ. He is the Antichristu. So he comes He comes to not only, uh, well, of course, it's opposition to, but replacement, the idea of replacement. So in his conquest, the first thing he does is what? Red Horse. I've been all over, you know, the nation, you know, in the last five, six years and 55 different conferences. And I can tell you very clearly, I have never had anybody, when I ask the question, how many here have ever heard a definitive sermon on the Red Horse? No hands up. How many here know, you know, how many <laughs> wow, here know what the Red Horse is? that's actually pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, not only amazing, then I would say, how many here know what the Red Horse is all about? A few hands will go up and say, well, I think it's about war. And the definitive answer is no, it, it's not about war. Look again at this prophecy. The pale horse, the pale green horse, uses a Greek word that refers to war, then famine, then pestilence, and then the theron, the beast of the earth, which may be hybrids, that's another story. But the red horse, the, the, the moment the Antichrist is unleashed to begin, the first thing he does, there's an unleashing. The red horse uh, prophecy, this dramatic revelation, here's what it says. This all of a sudden, instantaneously on a global level, arena, peace, is removed, sucked out of the world. Peace is removed instantly. What happens? Look at this prophecy. Look what, what, it, what it says. This causes individual people to begin to savadzo, to slay. The Greek word is used in animal butchery, animal sacrifice, to begin to slaughter hundreds of millions of others on a global scale. So the chaos before the new order is far beyond what people have written, far beyond what people have considered. The New Agers, you mentioned Albert Pike, all of them understand, hey, there's got to be a chaos before a new order. Yeah, but the scriptures have definitively unveiled the sequential waves of the satanic plot. The moment Antichrist is released to begin. One of the first things is he unleashes the prepared, the designed and prepared chaos that will collapse the United States, the Western nations, will collapse the majority of it all to bring it down in an unprecedented regime change. So that we're talking politically, economically, militarily, uh, law enforcement, uh, you know, all of it, it's going to collapse. But the goal isn't to annihilate because Satan wants to um, assimilate. He needs to assimilate to create his empire because he has a goal. The ultimate goal of this entire new world order, the ultimate goal is to get to the field in Armageddon, Revelation 19.19, 19, because he has to stop Christ. Because Revelation 20 shows if Jesus wins, he gets bound for a thousand years. This is real action that's occurring um, in the world, and this is what's going to happen. 
there, there, nothing is going to stop. When, when the curtain's pulled back, when the Antichrist begins, nothing will stop the onslaught. It is all global event level. It, it's biblically, this, this, there's no movie out that will, I mean, some of the movies, you know, where uh, meteors come or there's uh, the new one out there, San Andreas Fault and all the rest, just give a little bits and pieces. The entire created order is going to be disrupted. Uh, the water is going to be poisoned. Uh, the, the heat, the fire, the, the killing, uh, probably within a four-year period, there may be three billion or more utterly annihilated. Well, this really is essentially the Revelation 6 red horse unleashing the chaos really is about your book, Black Awakening, essentially, isn't it? Then, Because when you look at the Bible's depiction, and again, you said this well, is there's nobody else really profiled more in all of biblical sense other than Jesus Christ. And so if he's going to make war with the saints and billions of people are worshiping him, and again, Russ, the Bible alludes to this fascinating statement about people marveling at him. And that's not something you're going to miss. And that is quite something when you step back and you really think about billions of people marveling that's really mind-numbingly stunning isn't it uh, extraordinarily stunning and and again here again is you know the way god is able to unveil this he not only describes how this will be global satan's uh, agenda is global um he will arrive at it uh, there is um this picture of even what the world will be saying audibly so when you mention that in Revelation 13, I mean, God's already describing how the collective world deceived and hooking up with the Antichrist you know, regime, it, it, that's how definitive Scripture is. Out of their mouths, their actual verbal you know, declarations are going to be, one, their, you know, their worship of the being, and uh, their declaration, this, this is an indefeatable foe. This is, nobody can destroy him. Nobody can defeat him. Nobody can make war against him. This is now, in their view, the savior of the world. But the broadest deception brings about the broadest destruction, as always in the satanic model. He cannot act without deception. And that deception, in every case, in every single event um, from the beginning, ends up in utter destruction. Well, and let's profile a little bit. I mean, we look at the, you know, whether he's homo satanus or it talks about serpents and dragons. And there really is quite a lot of profiling also on Satan in the Bible, isn't there? And I love what Peter says. Peter actually says the word devour. I mean, that is not some kind of nice kumbaya statement, is it? <laughs> no, it is not. Actually, the word means to devour whole, worse than an alligator chunking down, you know, a, a, a chicken that it caught. I mean, the idea is that the, the picture of this is just simply consuming whole uh, an individual. So that's the satanic presence. Uh, you can never, you can never have sympathy for the devil because of his nature. He will eat your children. He will destroy your family. He will torture. I mean, you got to understand the nature of the dark side is so radically rotten evil uh, that there is no truth in them. There is no mercy. Uh, that's why in satanic uh, rituals and so forth, you know, prolonging torture and bringing the worst desecration to human body and a human being, they love it. 
They revel in it. They, they revel in the blood. This is their realm. This is their nature. There's no redemption for them. And so when it comes to their operative work, um, like with Judas, you know, Satan entered him. He betrayed Christ. Judas goes out later. You know, obviously Satan's going to pop out, you know, come out of him at some point. And Judas is so, you know, messed up, he goes to hang himself. You know, we read it in, the, in Acts chapter 2, the field of Akaldama, you know, he, he falls and he, his guts go everywhere, the field of blood. That's what I try to tell Satanists all the time. And those Luciferians that really know that they're part of promoting this new order in, in their own deception, because they do believe he's the light bearer, that he's the, uh, the prince of wisdom. Yeah. They, they, they believe this. But, um, but, but then again, in the beginning, mankind believed that he would evolve us to, you know, to gods. Well, we didn't evolve. We devolved horribly, and death entered in, this destructive thing, death. And, and so there's, there's just simply no sympathy here. We've got to understand, and when Jesus dealt with the satanic side, he never had sympathy, he never had mercy, he never uh, batted an eye, he just sternly commanded, ekbalo, you know, get out. And so 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter understood, de- he understood defeat, as all of us as believers at the time, under spiritual warfare, we sometimes don't know what's going on, and later, you know, we see, hey man, that was the enemy, he's worked on me, and you don't want that to happen again. Well, Peter course, stumbles big time. Jesus um, said, you know, Simon, Simon, you know, Peter, in the Greek there is plural. He's saying to all the disciples, Satan is asked to sift all of you guys, but I have prayed for all of you guys that your faith would not fail. But of course, the battle came. They were scattered. They were agitated. Peter's out there cussing and denying. And there's a lot of backslidden believers like that today. They don't even understand that what's causing them to be so angry and frustrated and confused is satanic and demonic presence because they haven't been discipled well enough and they haven't committed their, to their growth uh, so they can have victory. Uh, and they need that victory. And it's, it's handed to us by Jesus. Handed to us by Jesus. That's really profound. That is something we better reconcile because when you are seeing prophecy unfold and every day is like a nature hike through Matthew 24 in the book of Revelation, when we, Russ, are about to rocket slide into Caligula-level, unprecedented insanity. Unless the sun cuts those days short, there'd be no humanity left alive. When Jesus makes a statement like that, people ought to be paying attention. But isn't it convenient, Russ, that while all hell is about to literally break loose, the Christians, for the most part, are in a comatose stupor, And it's convenient that no churches are dealing with demons and deliverance. That's unbelievably convenient, isn't it? Well, very convenient. And again, the evidences of those who've who've kind of hacked off what Christ, what Jesus and Christianity is all about, uh, you know, being sucked into and being enculturated, the truth is the dark side has already won in, in in those factors. Uh, the Laodicean church, the Stardust church, they've already been defeated. Uh, now they can come out of it. Uh, that's the good news, that they can come out of that. But but nobody needs to be defeated. It all goes back to the rooting of um, when we get saved. That's a power encounter. Out of the, out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom, the basileia of, of Jesus. That's Colossians chapter 1. When we get saved, the transfer occurs. We're literally by the, by the work 
of Christ and him coming in, forgiven instantly, uh, freed from the control and power of the sin nature, freed from the uh, penalty of death and hell, and, and were literally uprooted, literally tore up from the dominion, that's the word exousia in Colossians 1, uh, and were planted in the basileia, the rule and reign of Christ. Now, we're to grow up in our salvation, second chapter of uh, Thessalonians, or I'm sorry, Colossians. We're to grow up in that. Uh, not only be rooted and grounded, but we're to grow up. And growing up means we the, the victory and the power and the presence and the grace and the abilities uh, become very powerful and manifest in the believer. The believer is pictured, the, the, the real disciple believer, the best one of the best pictures is, is Acts chapter 8, Philip. And there he is on the field. Nothing can stop him. So that's what the potential for all believers is, is really is. And, and some believers that are clueless and sitting back and thinking, well, I've been a believer 25 years, and you know, I, I mean, we don't do that. What do you mean you don't do that? No, you, you haven't understood that Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself daily, take up your cross and follow me. This is a matter of obedience. This is a matter of walking with God. This is a matter of uh, walking with spiritual victory. We've been chosen, according to uh, John's Gospel, chapter 15, we have been chosen in Christ and by Christ to bear fruit, more fruit, and if we're going to begin to bear fruit, the Father will prune us, sharpen us, make us even more able. We should not be thinking about somehow, some way, in the 10 years of being a believer, I can lead somebody to Christ. We should be thinking, as a believer, how could I lead a thousand people to Christ? Amen. You know, how can I um, have the authority of Jesus and, and, and grow in a level of fearlessness, manifesting the presence and power of God, and, uh, and really seeing real healing? We don't need any hyper-emotional fake mock-up. We don't need the Laodicean, you know, immersion church uh, dumbing down, yeah. you know, this pathetic system of Christianity. Whenever you have a local church, whether it's 10, 1,000, or 10,000, if the vast majority can't pray and get an answer, can't win a soul to Christ, have no idea of how to, you know, deal with a demon, yes. don't know what it is to have the armor of God on, then you're... It don't matter if you if you create ten thousand believers. What you've done is you've taken the what God wanted out of their lives. You've dumbed it down. Jesus says, "I have given you authority." He commanded those spirits to get out, and they obeyed, and that's granted right in salvation. Jesus gave us the authority. This is the thing that Jesus was so fascinated when he looked at that centurion he said i have not seen this kind of faith in all of israel what was he talking about he was talking about this man knew authority jesus has given us power and authority and yet so many are defeated we need to be walking out and living in that power and authority don't we absolutely and that's that's listen every believer can know this uh, that Jude verse 20 tells us we're commanded by the Spirit of God to build yourself up in your most holy faith. I can, you know, if I don't have anybody preaching good stuff to me, I can take the scriptures. I've learned this over the years, and I've said it as a preacher when I pastor churches. If you have nobody to preach the Word of God to you, pick it up and preach it to yourself. Declare it to yourself. Read it. I have the, you know, I, I've been to five other schools, and I'm into two other schools right now. I love study. That's all, I've done that all of my life as a believer. But you know what? I have learned more in self-study of Scripture, chapter by chapter, book by book, verse by verse, memorization, studying deeply, 
Um, that's that becomes the grid. And here, Sheila, forty years later, and I feel like time's running out for me to know even more. I want to know more of the scripture. I want to know more of what it's. You know, I could sit here and think, well, man, I got forty years under my belt. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I need a, a massive. You know, so you know, every day in that book, every day that living word of God, yes. and 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 it's called truth. Halathia is the Greek word. That little Greek word has the idea of absolute truth, but also reality. It's translated as reality. So knowing Jesus, knowing God, knowing the real battle, knowing the end of days is really uh, upon us, that's reality. And you mentioned earlier the world's walking around in a fog, and this is going on, the uh, people are crying out why and all the rest. You know why? Because the Scriptures has unveiled the dark side's emerging horrible, deceiving bending of the minds and wills in preparation for the most devastating times in human history. And where are the hundreds of millions of believers worldwide, you know, moving out strategically to their neighbors, into their streets, into their neighborhoods to lead their friends to Christ, to become powerful in prayer, powerful in witness. And, And listen, when we grow in the Word that way, here's what it shows in the book of Acts, and here's what I know experientially. In my own life, and when I, because I've been a trainer of taking teams and training them and deploying them on the field, evangelistically and all the rest. Here's what I know biblically, my own experience and the experience of taking others out and leading them to do the Word of God. You become stronger, you become more competent, you become more experienced in the power of the Spirit of God. And the concept internally of, of fearlessness grows and unstoppable, the sense of uh, believers becoming so strong so lit up by the Spirit of God in Christ that they become unstoppable. And I give you Acts 5.42. You couldn't stop those believers. Well, that's so good because after the Holy Spirit acted there, Russ, they didn't sit around and just enjoy and wallow in it. They moved out in action, being led by the Spirit. And you saw displays of power over and over in the New Testament, especially in Acts 5 there, Satan's schemes and devices, I mean, they were stopped and crushed and and addressed because of the, not only authority and action, but the alertness. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, I have authority in Jesus, but it's useless for us if people are not using it. And it's one thing to know the word, but are you living it? Are you being a doer of the word, not I hear and look at Acts 9:22 filled with the Holy Spirit and by action it says he grew more and more powerful so really putting into practice allows us to become stronger i guess it's kind of like exercising that spiritual muscle but i mean time is short satan's ramping things up and the antichrist is emerging on the scene as you said i mean the stage is getting set here the curtain is going to be pulled back and it's really time for people to be going out there and doing what jesus commissioned us to do preaching the gospel laying hands on the sick casting out devils It really shouldn't even be a big stretch for a Holy Ghost-filled Christian believer to be raising the dead, should it? Not at all. And and again, I believe that when we're surrendered, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the content of Scripture, both the massive, dire, explicit warnings, and then also the incredible, unprecedented hope that we find in Christ, the indestructible pictures of this— that we have something to say. Put a 10 million believers like that on the ground, see, see if we still can't do something. I, I still believe we can still do something in these days until, until we're out of here. 
Yes, I so agree. Jesus said, occupy until I come. And all DARPA's weapons and Satan's schemes and even super soldiers with demonized transgenic cryptic hybrid technologies is no match for Jesus Christ, is it? Absolutely. He's 100% the answer and the truth. Jesus said that truth, him, would set us free and leads us to not only this indestructible immortality, not only a change from within, uh, not only knowing the truth, but we're going to see God face to face. And then God reaches out his hand and wipes away the final tears. That's in biblical prophecy also. Yes. And uh, so that's what keeps us uh, so motivated. Now, I will say this, Sheila, that I see the dark side, You, you know, as you explain it also, it does outrage me, and it's part of the motivation to stand up and, and against it. But in that context, not just screaming at the darkness. Uh, we can scream at the darkness, but we, we need to unveil the unprecedented beauty and brilliance of God in Christ and all that's in the message of salvation in the coming immortality and face to face with God. That's, that's what we can begin to, you know, point to people and confidently expect the Spirit of God to still speak if we come under the Lordship of Christ and step out in total obedience. Yes, I so agree. Russ, thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing your invaluable insight with the listeners. I so appreciate you coming on the program, Russ, tonight. Thank you so much. Blessings to you, sister. Thank God you. God bless, Russ. Take care. Bye-bye. Folks, that was the amazing Russ Dizdar. His information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. Please do set your dial every day. That's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Worldwide Christian Radio. And I want to, as a final reminder, mention to people that I need your continued financial support to keep this broadcast on the air. There is a lot of time that goes into producing and giving you a show like this with only the cutting edge best guests out there. I don't want to leave it to the last minute to just pull the plug and go off the air. People do need to support financially the show. Otherwise, it won't remain on the air. So I want to encourage people if they are blessed by the show, do financially so into, I believe, a very worthwhile ministry. And I hope you would agree with that. Folks, we have a fantastic lineup tomorrow. Rob Skiba. It's going to be a fantastic show. And then Thursday, Patrick Wood. Friday is Chuck and Tim Baldwin. It's going to be a fantastic show. And I'm looking forward to getting everyone a copy of Green Gospel. It is now finished. And I just want to remind people that that book is really a culmination of five years of hard work and research that I have poured into that book. I started working on it probably about five years ago, slowly working on it over time. And I really think this is a book that is incredibly timely in light of how they are pushing this green agenda now more than ever with the Pope putting his moral authority behind it. And I think it's, again, just a very, very timely book. And I'd like to get it in the hands of every Christian on planet Earth if it was my choice. So I will have some information on how to pre-order the book next week. And again, I think this is just incredible information. And I think you'll be very happy with the book. The test group that did read it, they really like it. And it's such an honor and blessing to be able to get this information out to people 
Very timely information indeed. And in light of the climate we're in, I'm going to leave you with a clip today from Paul Washer that I think is incredibly timely. I think it's very good, so I leave you with that today. Good night, folks, and God bless. The church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And we laugh now, but they will come after us. And they will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad, while we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren, and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society as has already happened. Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children and for most of you they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination in the university and indoctrination and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little the net is closing around and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. Matter of weeks. But at the same time know this. Persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe. Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as bigots, as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God in common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it.